This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak, and we got some exclusive audio sound we can't wait to share with you. Got to sit down with Saints running back Jamal Williams and the two new defensive tackles, which you get to know a little bit more about these guys on and off the field, which is always fun. And Jeff, with Nathan Shepard, the rest of the NOLA media hasn't even gotten to sit down with him yet. This is true because there's been some phone issues. Yeah, there's been some, you know, they they had they ran out of time the other day to kind of get all the media in there. And then I know he had some they had some technical difficulties today. I don't think they'll mind us sharing that. And so they're we're the only ones. So <laughs> you know, enjoy that. But yeah, so it's there these are all one-on-one interviews. And I think it's really interesting to kind of hear the different tones between like when you see Jamal at the podium, he's like performing, he's in his element. And then, you know, it was kind of interesting and maybe part of it was because he came in and sat with us after talking for 20 minutes to the press and then doing a podcast interview, but he was a very different energy. It was much more subdued and I feel like he got like a more kind of genuine Jamal just talking to you, which so I, I really did when I was listening back to that interview today, I really did find it fascinating some of the stuff he was saying. So we'll get that. We'll throw that at you in the second and third segment. We're going to use the entire second segment to kind of throw some Jamal sound at you. And then the third segment, we're going to give you both defensive tackles. It's Colin Saunders, former Chiefs defensive tackle, and Nathan Shepard, who was with the Jets. But for this segment, I just want to hit on some of the other stuff that has happened. We, you know, we haven't done a rundown in a while. So that's going to be that the rest of this segment, we're going to go through a couple things that happened with the Saints. And then I think it's worthwhile to go around the NFC South now that the first kind of major wave of free agency is over. And just kind of like say, okay, wh- which teams did get better? Because um, I think one team did. And, and we can kind of get into that. But first, we do have one more free agent bomb that does not involve the NFC South or the Saints. It involves a friend of the program, Mr. CJ Gardner-Johnson, who is now headed to the Lions on a, get this, one-year, 
$8 million contract. I don't know what he was looking for in free agency, but I guarantee you it was a lot higher than that. And there are some reports out there that the Eagles offered a three-year deal and he turned that down. And his agent went on Twitter and kind of like threw that deal under the bus and said, they offered us one year, 8 million. The the Eagles offered three years, but it was really a one year, $7 million deal because the final two years and $17 million were not guaranteed. And it's like, okay, well, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound like they were giving him an honest offer. And it does kind of feel similar to how the saints ended up with Jamal Williams, who the lions kind of lowballed, And he was like, no, I'm leaving. And, and he talks a lot about that in our interview with him. But yeah, so CJ is going to hang out with Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn over on the Lions. And I just think it's really interesting that he can't seem to find that deal that he was so confident he deserved uh, this time last year. Yeah, I thought he would end up in the end being retained by Philadelphia, but they ended up moving on from him, uh, resigning some guys into their secondary and bringing back Darius Slay. I know that they'd expected that that he was going to be let go, ended up bringing him back. But it's kind of weird. A guy still young, obviously very productive, is now on his, yeah, his third team already. And we saw, obviously, some of the, you know, the negative parts of Gardner Johnson in the locker room on his way out when you could tell he was just out to get his money. And I don't blame him for that at all, but it seemed to spill into other things onto the field, obviously during training camp when he was the the hold in, not even taking part, but still being there and being a distraction. Yeah, you can't question the talent. I mean, he he missed what five games last year and well, led the, still led the league in interceptions. I think it was wasn't there a day he had back to back pick sixes on Jameis? I don't know if it was back to back, but it was this first throw of the practice that it was. I think it was the first throw in like full team drills on a pat and the first day of like full pads. And CJ, yes, took him to the house. I think he threw another pick six, but it was to somebody else. Okay, okay. But yeah, there's no questioning the talent there. But it does make you wonder. You know, I think the Saints, by the end, were very tired of the antics in terms of how it was kind of impacting the locker room. And kind of, I don't think that they wanted to deal with it anymore. And that was a big part of why they weren't interested in paying him. And you see, like the Eagles, you know, they... Made him an offer, it seems like, but it wasn't a, oh, we definitely want to keep you around. And considering they did trade for him, right? They did give up two draft picks, and they weren't great draft picks, a fifth round this year and a sixth round next year, but they traded more than they're going to get back for him leaving in free agency. So, you know, they got one year out of him, and it's like, okay, so he was a rental for the Eagles. Clearly, they were no more invested in him in terms of being a long-term safety answer for them than the Saints were. So it's got to be something beyond just his play on the field because he's clearly a productive member of these defenses he's been on. So it's got to be something more than that. It's it's wild to me. Obviously, limited production last year. He got hurt, but still one of, I think, four or five of the leaders in interceptions with six Mm -hmm. on the season. That's absolutely uh, to his credit. And, you know, some are going to say, you know, the, you know, the tip ball interceptions, oh, those are pretty easy to make. But you know what? There's, it's still you're, you're the guy in the right place at the right time. I don't care. He's still someone who just brings that noticeable presence on the field that is, a, is, is that concern for the opposing quarterbacks. And I'm t- I know, you know, Tom Brady won't be around anymore for him to, to get in the face of. And that, that's just one of those 
uh, iconic moments, uh, you could say, in a Saints uniform when everybody was all about the love of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. But in Detroit, you get that matchup again with Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, so there's still that connection with the black and gold, and it's just interesting to see that, you know, Dan Campbell, we heard talking about gnawing off kneecaps, right? So C.J. Gardner-Johnson's definitely a guy that'll go out there and do that. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of parallels with the situation surrounding Jamal Williams, where I don't think he's necessarily an issue in the locker room uh, like 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 you might think CJ is, but from from being kind of an eccentric personality, there's definitely um, you know a lot there. And in the sense that Jamal led the NFL in rushing touchdowns, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's not that doesn't matter. They're all short yardage, blah blah blah. He's not worth this big contract. CJ, in in the sense of he led the league in interceptions, and everyone's like, yeah, but. You know, and and I think both of those guys this season, like they're they were already chip on the shoulder guys. It's still there. It is still very much there. But let's let's move on to somebody the Saints might bring in, and it's a, a familiar name. And the Saints hosted Foster Morrow on a free agent visit. He's a New Orleans native. He went to Jesuit. Obviously, was at LSU, and he spent the last four years catching passes from Derek Carr. And so, if the Saints are looking to add one more tight end, which it seems like they probably are in the market for. I don't expect you to roll into the season with two tight ends. He could be a really good option uh, and a guy who's familiar with Derek Carr and can help him kind of find a like. I think it's a it's helpful to have someone else learning the offense at the same time you are. You know, if you're switching schools, it's kind of nice to have a, fr- a friend with you that was at the old school, <laughs> right? And I think that's kind of what it might be in terms of getting comfortable in a new program. But it's going to be one, an interesting one to watch because. He's been pretty productive. He hasn't been great, but he has been solidly productive uh, over the last four years. What's interesting, too, yeah, he's got an opportunity to come home, play with his former Raiders buddy as well. But he also, I know, visited with the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if uh, that former LSU love with Joe Burrow gets, you know, ignites more interest. Um, but I haven't seen that. What's funny is I haven't seen any other visits for Morrow. I don't know if he's been uh, making any other stops uh, during his free agency tour. That is the annoying thing. I, I don't like to get over into like overhyped into, oh, so-and-so is visiting who and blah, blah, blah. Cause you only hear about some of them and right. you only hear about the ones that are notable and who knows, maybe he did go visit the jets and no one reported it. So it, it, it is one of those things that I try not to get too deep into because otherwise you're just chasing your tail constantly. But I think that one is significant because you can see the connections and it would be a, a homecoming for him. So he might have some incentive to take a maybe a lesser deal if it's on the table. And like the Saints are just like, hey, we'll, we'll give you this if you want to come to New Orleans and kind of play in front of your hometown. So that's that's definitely one to watch. Uh, but it's not it's what it's of the all the signings in the NFC South this year. It would be bottom of the barrel in terms of, you know, impact, probably. So I, I think that's a good segue into some of the other moves that have been made. Yeah, for sure. The uh, Carolina Panthers don't seem to be uh, little small, little purring kitties right now heading into this year. They're trying to like ignite that that roar again with them with some of these moves. You, you kind of laugh of after that trade of giving up so much, including the fact that they gave up DJ Moore, but they did a little work to to replenish uh, the roster, especially. Uh, an interesting, I'll say, move at wide receiver, a guy that I know I'm always was um, pretty annoyed at seeing when he was with the Vikings. 
but yeah, the Panthers, they've made a bunch of moves this free agency cycle. The Panthers and the Falcons have definitely been the most active in the division, I would say. And the the one you were referencing right there, Adam Thielen, been with the Vikings for, I, I don't even know, seven years probably. He's been there forever. And he's going to be a security blanket for whoever starts at quarterback. And that quarterback might very well be Andy Dalton. They've also brought in Miles Sanders and Hayden Hurst. They've signed Von Bell and Shai Tuttle. And they have right now the number one overall pick in the draft. So, you know, that's a team that, while I don't expect them to be overly competitive, first-year head coaches can sometimes like be I, – I think you'll see this occasionally as a first-year head coach is able to motivate in a way that like a third-year head coach isn't always able to. Like Ben McAdoo with the Giants when he showed up, and it was like everyone played pretty well that first year because it's just like, oh, it's it's fresh, it's new, you're excited. So maybe that's what the Panthers do this year. And if it is, I think – one of the ways that this season that feels like it's really kind of set up for success for the Saints, one of the ways it could go really, really badly and maybe end up in a firing of a head coach is if Andy Dalton goes up to Carolina and ends oh. up, you know, coming down here and beating the Saints and winning the NFC South as the Panthers quarterback. I think that would be a good way to really kind of hit the self-destruct button on the current regime of the Saints roster. <laughs> so that's something to like, I, I don't know, like if there was a team that I feel like could really piss off Saints fans this year, it's the Panthers. And, and it's because of some of the moves they've made, which I think are really kind of understated, but, but good ones. And for whatever reason, and like these rivalry games, man, Carolina is always a pain in the ass. I, I mean, the, there's been, there's been domination over like mostly Tampa and Atlanta. I feel like, well, at least in the regular season for Tampa, we know what happened, obviously in the playoffs. But with with Carolina, that I feel like the series is more even, or maybe even Carolina has the lead, because yeah, even last year, both both games were just terrible, awful, no good, horrible losses that very easily should have been victories. But the, the Carolina found a way with two different damn quarterbacks to pull it off. Yeah, the Panthers have won three of the last four. Saints won that second game to, in 2021 with Taysom Hill starting. It was a low-scoring game. Yeah, they've been a team that has gotten worse as the season's gone on a, a lot of the time. But, yeah, it, the defense is still there. And I think when you look at yeah. what has really been a struggle for the Saints in those matchups has been the defense. It's going to be a different scheme this year. Who knows if it's going to be as effective. Matt Rule always had this kind of college fire zone blitz scheme that just ran the Saints offensive line ragged. So maybe they'll switch from that. Maybe they'll have an easier time. I don't know. But yeah, that's the that's the team that's like, I don't I don't think they've even made, they haven't spent the most money, but I think they've made the best moves in terms of, you know, I feel like this is a team that could contend now and is built to, to, kind, of, to kind of climb. And I still think trading DJ Moore was a mistake. But, you know, if they hit on the quarterback and that quarterback is the, the next star in the NFL, then, then they, then it was the right move. So I w I would much rather be in the Panthers position right now than the Falcons position. If that makes sense. The Panthers, there's question, obviously uh, how much they gave up to move to number one. And now then the reports of, oh, there's a different beliefs on who they should take there between the coach and the owner who knows how much, of that is true or just, you know, 
leading up to draft day fodder that we're hearing about kind of thing, but you better be damn sure, obviously, if you made that trade to have a clear cut picture of who you're getting. And I don't want to hear them. Oh, well, we're also willing to trade down if, if, if the right package comes available kind of thing, because yeah, the, the inclusion of DJ Moore was excessive in that, uh, in that trade to me, but the the addition of Thielen is interesting. I'm not saying in any any way that's gonna uh, replace a guy like Moore, but definitely someone. It's a valuable p- possession kind of receiver that seemed to be a security blanket. I thought, like you mentioned at the at the beginning of this, for um, the quarterback in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins. Thank you, Cousins, Mister League Average, Mr. Well, League and Average. then just kind of had a down year, and they said, "All right, bye. We're done with you." He's old. You know, I, I don't blame them for, for moving on, but yeah. And, and we, we can kind of shift to the Falcons now because the Falcons spent the most money by far. <laughs> they had the most to spend and they, and they spent it. They signed <laughs> David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, safety, Jesse Bates, QB, Taylor Heineke. And then they had a couple moves, right tackle, Caleb McGarry, wide receiver, Matt Collins. I think Heineke might start. <laughs> week one I, I don't think it's a guarantee that Desmond Ritter wins that quarterback battle out of camp but either way I'm not I, I'm not frightened by either of them in terms of what they might do in the division but yeah I mean you didn't you you already have receivers they did trade Calvin Ridley Kyle Pitts had a really down year he dealt with injuries he's got to be better but there's just I don't see a ton on that offense that that really scares me and that's why when you see a team give up that kind of money for a safety. It's like, really? Uh, are you, because it seems like you're tanking. It, it seems like you're, you're one year away, but you're signing people like you're going for it, which is just odd to me, but we'll have to see how they, how they kind of operate this year. It's almost like the GM Terry Fontenot said, you know what, since we got you to come on over here, Ryan Nielsen, we're going to go wild and spend on this defense for you. I think that, no, I think that's a really good point. I think it is kind of like, like they were like, we'll bring you over here and we're going to get you who you want. Like right. we're going to make sure we get the players that put you in a position to succeed. Right. Because he was in a good position with the saints. While he might not have been a play calling defensive coordinator. He was manning one of the better defenses in the NFL and he wants to be a head coach, right? He, he one of the ways you can be a head coach is by going and being a defensive coordinator somewhere. One of the ways you can make sure you don't get a head coaching job is by going and leading one of the worst defenses in the NFL, uh, like with, with your first real opportunity to be the solo guy, right? So I think that is something that's going on here is he agreed to go there and they agreed to get him his guys. They agreed to get him Caden Ellis, David Onyemata, Jesse Bates, these guys, and they did. And so now he's got no excuses and uh, it is interesting. But, you know, moving on to the next the next and final team in the NFC South, the Bucks, who really didn't do much. The one thing they did was sign somebody who probably will start instead of Kyle Trask, which I'm kind of annoyed if I'm Kyle Trask and I was going to get that chance. But they brought in Baker Mayfield, who it would be weird if he backs up Kyle Trask. Like, I get it. They, they, he's been in the system, but like it would be really, really strange if Baker couldn't beat out Kyle Trask in camp. Well, remember, um, there, there was a time where I believe it was what PJ Walker was the starter and like Baker was running like scout team for the Panthers. Yeah. But I mean, PJ has been, has played before they've, they've <laughs> actually like, this isn't, this would be Kyle Trask's debut in the NFL. He's on two passes. It'll be interesting. I think, I still think it's going to be a, 
you know, awful QB play in Tampa. We'll see what, what Baker does now. Uh, he, I guess he had a little bit of a revitalization there with the Rams, but I'm just, I'm not a Baker believer. So we'll, I'll be happy to root for against him with the Buccaneers now. No, they also, they cut Leonard Fournette and they brought in Chase Edmonds. This is, this very much looks like a team to me that is hoping yeah, for Cameron a great gone. Right. Another one. Yeah. Right. It's this, they brought, they brought back the linebackers, right? They brought back Levante, David and Devin white. And to right. me, that indicates that this is a team that's hoping to have a one year rebuild. Kind of like the Colts did with Andrew Luck, right? Peyton Manning got hurt. He had the neck thing. He was out the whole season. They sank all the way to the bottom, but still had a competitive roster, like the shell of a competitive roster. And then they got Andrew Luck, and then they were right back in. I think they made the playoffs the next year. And I think that's what the Bucks are trying to do here. Like they're trying to maintain guys like Devin White, Levante David, but they are set up to drop to the bottom. That might be the only reason Kyle Trask does start is because you have a chance to move, go from Tom Brady, sink all the way to the bottom, reset your cap table, and then bring in Caleb. Caleb. Yeah. yeah, and then bring in Caleb Williams. And if and, and you know what? That's a that's a tight needle they're trying to thread. But if you do it, you know I, I can't I can't hate on the idea. What but they you, have to be bad. They have to be bad. They cannot be a five win team. They have to be a one win team or a two win team for that to make sense. But if they can get it done. I'm not going to fault it because that's what everyone in the NFL thinks is like the gold standard of rebuilds is be good tank for the top pick, be good again. It rarely works, but in this case with that type of prospect, I think, you know, it's like there was a suck for luck. I don't know what, what what's the term you're going to have for Caleb. Yeah. I can't like crashing for Caleb. I, you can't that's, like that's probably a good one crash for Caleb clunker for, I don't know. One eight seven seven cars for Caleb, K A R S cars for Caleb. But I think I do think that's what's happening. I really do think that's what's happening with the box, and you know, good for them. Well, what 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 happens when Baker messes around and wins you a couple games, and then like, wait a minute, what right. happened? To, what happened to tanking for Caleb? Exactly, and so that's why you know I said it's going to be really weird if Kyle tries to start over Caleb. Yeah. But if you are committed to the tank the way that the Bucks seem to be then that's all the reason you need to throw Kyle Trask in there because I could see them going 0-17 with Kyle Trask as a starter. I think Baker is good enough that he'll back into a couple wins by accident, and that's what they want to move I agree with that, too. Okay. That's it. That's our kind of NFC South roundup. We're going to end that segment there. We're going to come back, and we're going to give you a lot of Jamal freaking Williams who showed up at his press conference with an EV on his head. Steve still doesn't know if that's a dog or a cat, but we're going to, we're going to dive in. It's a different universe. Inside Black and Gold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow him at Steve Geller WWL. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that button wherever the button is. I don't know. It's different on all the apps, but it's there. Trust me. Go find it. Hit all and, the buttons. Uh, you leave a rating, leave a review. We got a nice rating and review the other day. It was a, it was, I, I can't remember the name, but it was, it was five star. It was a good one. They left, they left words and everything. It was, it was nice to see. So uh, I always appreciate when people do that. Always appreciate the fandom. Yes. Yes. <laughs> They said, Steve got a haircut, and I'm a big fan of that. Thank goodness, right? He finally uh, did something with the mop. Oh, I keep forgetting to mention this. We can mention this before we go on to Jamal. We should congratulate Steve, who's going to be the new sports director at WWL. He's going to be hosting Sports Talk every day instead of just Fridays. So Coming soon. You, you get to hear more. Mic, I don't know. Yeah, good job. Congratulations, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And, yeah, still going to be part of, obviously, this, though, at this this is our like little baby. I feel we're we're taking wherever. Yeah, we'll just have to record in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know if you want to wait till after sports talk for all that. Yeah, we're not going to be doing it. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not down for 9 p.m. 9 p.m. live chats. But we'll we'll figure it out. We'll get it done. I'll also be on the sideline this next season, so that'll be yes, kind of fun. Going to take that that role over. So, yeah, I'm going to be able to pretend I have any idea what's going on from field level because I will not. Yeah, but I mean it's. Uh, an experience that you saw that that you know game. What was it? Two last week, last year. Week two, yeah. I guess the Bucks was the worst game of the season. No, that last game was the worst game of the season. True, True. it was the worst <laughs> game that mattered. <laughs> anyway, you, you you see, it's a different, a whole different perspective. But the experience of being there and that close to the action is pretty wild, and uh, something that you'll you'll always like have that, and it's just great for storytelling kind of deals just from what you hear and see to just the, the impacts and, you know, the NFL film, uh, I guess, music you hear in your head as you're watching some history even go down. I, uh, you know, I was fortunate my first year to get a hold of breeze. So there was, there was records like being broken every other week. It felt like. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, But speaking of being close to the action, let's, let's get into this. So this is not a two-hour-long podcast. We got to sit down with Jamal Williams. This was after his introductory press conference, and he had a lot to say. If you follow us on YouTube, this is the same interview that I posted on YouTube a few days ago. So if you've already watched and listened to it, feel free to fast forward because we're going to get into more kind of takeaways from it after the actual audio. But I did want to play it on this podcast because I feel like that's kind of what this podcast is for, right? For us, for this audio. And I know we have podcast specific listeners. So if you're a YouTuber and a podcaster, you know, uh, you're going to have to suffer through it. I appreciate you if you are, but I've also trimmed a, a, some of it out of this interview. Cause you know, there's some radio stuff in there that we don't need to, that we don't need to replay, but this is the almost full sit down with Steve, myself and Jamal Williams. Enjoy. Well, so Jamal, I know that this is important to you. So tell us who's on your head. This? Yes. Evie. 
Eevee is a Pokemon. Yes. I don't know if Eevee could be a male too, but that's I don't a, know. That's a good question. Like, I don't know. Because Eevee be evolving. I think so. See, I, I've always been a Flareon guy myself. You like Flareon? Yeah, well, I, I was, when I played Pokemon, I was a kid. Yeah. So I didn't know either. When I was a kid, I didn't know Eevee evolved all of these. You gotta have to play Stones. That too. Yes. Anyway, okay. I'm totally lost in anything yes. Pokemon. You know? Anyway, so okay. this is yeah, this is an interview about a Saints football player, right? And so, Joe, why don't you kind of tell us like how did this kind of occur? I know you you mentioned earlier that you talked to Joel Thomas mm-hmm. and you said see you soon. You know, so how from there did this kind of develop where you ended up in the world? I don't really know how to explain it. Like my my agent did a great job and just going out there and finding people who are interested in what I wanted to do, but how did it come to... Yeah, I mean, so what, what led to the kind of the marriage of you ending up on the Saints? Obviously, you were with the Lions last year. Shit. Ah. How do I explain it? Like, literally, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. It really felt like it came out of nowhere, and so... That's how we felt, too, when the signing was announced. It was like, whoa! Yeah. That's how I felt. But it wasn't... But it was just like, I wasn't nowhere aware of what was yeah. happening. Like, when I seen Coach Thomas at the combine it wasn't no talk of really like yeah we try to get you over here nothing like that right, we, was right. just, we was just talking you know what I mean we was just talking and enjoying, enjoying football talking about drills and whatever and I just said see you soon and now we here so I don't really know how to explain it honestly I just give thanks to God give thanks to you know my journey and just how it's going I give thanks to Drew my agent for getting the job done you know we try to get done with our, my former team but right. couldn't come close so and then Saints came out of nowhere and you know what I mean showed us the offer I was like wow alright like they gave us an offer that was already like alright they taking us serious they want me here mm-hmm. let's go ahead and take there while <laughs> while like uh, in Detroit you know what I mean it's, they gave Montgomery what they offered Montgomery I never got that offer which is crazy. They gave me better, lesser than that. Mm-hmm. They offered me lesser than that. And it's just like, wow, okay. Like, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> like, it's the business, but it's still like, ah, this is what y'all think. All right. So, after that was done, then my mind was already set on, I'm going to go somewhere else new. Like, I'm not going to deal with people who want to devalue me for what they think they know me for mm-hmm. and, and what I've brought to the team and what I do for a team. So, I'm just grateful to be at a place with the Saints that, you know, they wanted me for me. They know what I can do. And at the same time, like, I'm bringing more here than they know what I can do. So what they think my capacity is and what I can do, they have no idea. That's why I I keep things personal to me. What's mom's early impressions of your your new surroundings, your new new city that you're going to be in? You said my mom? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care. She's not the one playing football, so it's not her job. But me and my girl, yeah, yeah, mama's taking a back seat right now. I got a girlfriend's potential to be the wifey. So yes, gotcha. Yeah, I care more about what she. <laughs> but she she likes it, and so but she's all she's down for the ride wherever we go. So I'm grateful for her to just be in a great support. I'm grateful for my uncle in Arizona, who my trainer, uh, Luke Neal. I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for just them. And then, but they excited though. They just excited wherever I go. My family is, my cousins and everybody. My cousins in Detroit though, like they're sad. They're sad sure. that I had to leave. So my cousin Nona's sad, but I, I told her she can always come down to NOLA. 
Ah, dang, I hope I'm saying it right. Nola. You got it. Nola, Nola. Oh, they about to hate me. Please don't hate me. <laughs> trust, trust me, with the personality you bring and that energy, the folks are going to love you here. It's, it's the fact that uh, you can tell the, your, your passion for the game is just so uh, natural and honest. Where did that develop? Was it always from young, you know, very young that you want, you knew you wanted to be a football player? Yeah, I knew. I got the A's <laughs> when I was playing flag football. I already knew I was going to play football. And my favorite team at the time was the Rams. And, like, I just remember watching Marshall Fall. I never watched, really watched, you know, Eric Dickerson really play. Yeah. I've seen YouTube videos, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Fall. Stevie Jackson's my favorite out of, like, all the Rams running backs. He's still my favorite. Um, shoot, I see Trey Mason, Cunningham when he was there for a little bit. Ty Gurley when he was there. Like, I watched them all. So, I've always been a Rams running back type of person. And but my personality has always been the same. Like I've I've always been a hard worker. I've always knew like I asked my mom like, how do I make it to the NFL? She's like, good grades, work hard, stay out of trouble. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's basically all I did. Good grades, kept working. Like I was <laughs> I remember in high school, like every weekend I just start from my house, run like four three blocks and then run back every weekend. And then people got used to seeing me do that. Yeah. You know, waving and say, how you doing? Get that work in. Like, yeah. But nobody had to tell me to do that. You know what I mean? I, I just do it because I wanted to be great. I do things extra just because I feel like there's always going to be somebody trying to work harder than me, you know? And that's just the way of life. It's just keeping yourself motivated. And I feel like I do a great job of just having the self-motivation, being a self-critic of myself all the time and knowing what I can and can't do, but I know I can't do it. It's just all about me mentally, you know what I mean? And not putting those blocks on myself or limits on myself from what I can do. So, and then that's why I like, that's why I don't watch TV and none of this stuff. Cause when I start hearing people talk about me, I'm like, you never even, you never even talk to me in person. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't even know who I am. But you think you know me cause you watch video or a couple of games? Right. That's nothing. So that's why I feel like this year is gonna be even better. Cause when I tell people I told you so, like you, you love to hear me. that for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't know me. And I take everything like I take this for a positive uh motivation, you know. Yeah. I take this for all right, y'all think y'all know me, I'm gonna show y'all and I wanna be the reason. Not the reason, but I wanna be part of a team. I'm grateful to be part of a team like the Saints to be able to show my, you know, my abilities even more and just be able to help a team that's already been winning. So I just want to be here and just get some dubs, man. <laughs> well, so I know you're a busy guy. We got to let you go before. So you know about Nola. You know about Beignets. Nola. Yeah. So there's yeah. one other thing. It's called a hoodat. Yeah, I heard that. Have you practiced that at all? I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I know what a hoodat is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can we get a good one? Can we get a, can we get a Jamal Williams hoodat right now? What do you mean? Just to, you know, say it with your chest. Like, who that say they're gonna beat them Saints? I gotta say it like that. Oh, you got it. It's the rules. What, who that? Who that? <laughs> you know? yeah. Who that? Hey, who it's that? It's one of those words that has multiple meanings, yeah. too. Yeah. Kind of like a forget about it. You know, you say, you, yeah. say, you can put a who that on anything. Oh, I'm about to. I'm about to start saying who that to everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna say it when people knock on my door. Who that? Oh, there you go. Then you're definitely fitting right in. Yeah, my daughter, she do anything bad? Who that? <laughs> 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 She's gonna be like, what, what do you mean? It was like, hey. Oh yeah, now I gotta teach her her new uh, mascot. For sure. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, sorry baby, no more roaring around here. What sound does a saint make? Who that? Ah, 
I found it. Right. <laughs> really appreciate you taking it. Appreciate time. y'all. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the talk, man. Nah, thank y'all. Nice to meet you. I'll see you soon. Definitely. So yeah, there's Jamal. I did enjoy his uh, his who dad at the end because like after like the third one, he was like, "I ah, found it." Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I laughed too that he thought he was all worried about mispronouncing Nola, and I was like, "You got it, man. You got it. No problem." How else would you say it? Not. That's not I, asked, I but it was like we we were kind of pressed for time. It was just like, dude, what exactly do you think you're gonna say? Like, how else? I'm just I'm genuinely curious. How else would you pronounce those four letters in a row? No la. Right. No la? Nalo? <laughs> no, no I, I, I don't know. Uh, no, but yeah, it just all in, all around a fun guy. You, you know, he kind of brings the energy. You feel it as, as soon as he enters the room. And it's, it's going to be interesting off the field as well as on the field, obviously, with him and the addition in this, in this Saints backfield. I think that's a like Kamara's a very similar outgoing kind of personality. I can't even imagine what that corner of the locker room is going to be like if they're next to each other. Kamara's funny and he's outgoing, but like they are very different people in terms of uh, Alvin's like, I don't want to say, I, I feel like saying cool is kind of reductive of like <laughs> of Jamal because I think Jamal is very interesting in his own way. It's just like he's Jamal is very much you know, like out there in terms of he's not as composed in that way. You know, no, he's like, he, he kind of reminds very... me of CJ. Again, we, we I talked about this yeah. in terms of kind of just having that very quirky personality that you kind of really appreciate, but I can see why it could give, become grading in certain ways. But again, kind of like CJ, you could hear in that interview, he, he's he's been told a lot. And he said this during his press conference. He said it to us. It was like, you don't know what I'm capable of. And I think a lot of that is him being told it was like, oh, you got, yeah, you had 17 touchdowns. You broke Barry Sanders' Lions record. You led That's the NFL by right three. There. And, but, but yeah, they're all short yardage. You know, they're all short, short runs. That doesn't mean anything. And it's just like, I guess, but you know, I, I can prove you wrong. And, and he's going to get a chance to do that. Like, that's the thing is there's a very good chance that he ends up being the starter for maybe four, six games this season. And that's in, that's not including any potential injury absences for Alvin. That's just if he gets suspended. So, you know, if he wants to prove people wrong, this is, this is going to be a good place to do it. And I think that's part of the reason he's probably excited to be here is you, you are going to get that opportunity. You know, there's nothing, there's no way around it. Yeah, he's been, you know, a part of some nice timeshares. And like you said, there's a good chance, heck, week one, you know, Kamara's already, you know, missing time. Right. Uh, potentially. And he's he's your lead guy. Obviously, I think we expect the team to to still address the running back position still, but I don't I I think with the guy who has the experience and you know, we, <laughs> what you mentioned with the Lions last year of breaking Barry Sanders single season rushing touchdown record is another thing that just blows my mind on how you let this guy out your door when he provided, he provides you with team leadership and obviously the production and is a quote unquote Detroit legend now. I mean, are they mad that he broke the record? Is that why we sent, they, they sent them packing and it's just funny. You hear that too. There's that little bit of chip on your shoulder anger in there because of a disrespectful offer he got from a team that we saw very well on plenty of clips, giving all his heart to and soul, whether it's, 
you know, the fun interviews or even when he got emotional on things, uh, it just uh, seems like a really smart ad and good value for the Saints too. So all around, really, really big kudos to this ad. Yeah, and he he went into, in his press conference, he used the word, quote-unquote, disrespectful in terms of what that offer was for him. When he was talking to us, he actually, I think he went into a little bit more detail of like, you know, there has been some reports that they that Lions did offer, give send him an offer, but he was like, no, that there was an offer, but it was nowhere near that. And, you know, I want Jamal Williams to be that guy, the guy that he is right now, right? Like, yeah. I don't want Jamal Williams coming in saying I'm the best and I proved it. I want Jamal Williams coming in and saying, y'all are still doubting me, even though I ran for 17 touchdowns last year. So here, let's do it again. Uh, so like, that's the attitude I want from him. So I'm glad he had it. One thing that Jamal said, and it, it was echoed by Colin, and we can get into this a little bit more after uh, after we listen to Colin's interview, but you know, the Saints approach free agency in a very specific way. They have a plan, they have a number, they go find their guys and they stick to it. They don't get into bidding wars. They go find the players they want. They say, we want you. This is what we're willing to pay you. Feel free to go shop around, but this is how we want to use you. This is the vision we have for you. And, and, and this is the conversation, right? Like they make it clear that they want that player here. They make it clear what they're willing to pay. And then they say, let us know, right? It's what they did with Jamal. And it's what they did with Colin. And, I think that's a very refreshing approach when you like Jamal who were like, yeah, they just, that's an embarrassing offer that they made me. And it's like, I think it's because you want, they're trying to get into negotiations. Like they're trying to lowball you so that you can meet in the middle. It's like, I think that the way the saints approach it is actually very refreshing. And it's like, you do end up, you end up getting players who want to be here, right? You're not, you're not going after the players who are just trying to get a paycheck, which obviously you do want to get a paycheck. That's a part of it. But I don't want to sign players that are only willing to come play for this team because you offered the most money. Like, sure, in certain instances, you do want to be the team that offers the most money. But I think you also want to have the players who want to be there because they want to be there. Yeah, I mean, you usually don't hear, I won't say usually, but for the most part, you don't hear players complaining about what they didn't get. They're just, you know, happy to be getting on with a new start, whatever kind of thing. But you could. This definitely stung Jamal Williams because, you know, that he even mentioned that he didn't get that money that the Lions offered Ty Montgomery, David Montgomery, David Montgomery. Sorry, it's Ty Montgomery, former Saint. Sorry. Yeah. If David Mon- if Ty Montgomery got a three-year, eighteen million dollar deal, we'd have to have a conversation. Yeah, he would be. He would be pretty pissed off, right? Um, but there was there was one question that we didn't get to ask Jamal about. And it was his kind of his connection to Taysom Hill. He was asked about it in his press conference. So here is that sound, because it does sound like he's very excited to play with his former BYU buddy again. Even though he didn't finish his career at BYU, he he unenrolled and went to Arizona to close out his career. But uh, he he remembers Taysom Hill fondly. And here's that clip. Oh, Taysom? Oh, I can't wait to mess with him. <laughs> it's been too long now. So I can't wait to mess with him. Don't worry. You'll see it. Yeah, it's what's what's funny too is like there's a a video with those two out there from BYU getting interviewed together, and like even then, it's like he's known as the young player Williams, and Taysom's known as the old guys. Like, and they're going back and forth. It's like, yeah, he's 35 and I'm 15 years old, kind of thing. He's saying, yeah, I mean, well, Taysom is like five years older than him in real life. 
right? Like <laughs> that's not an exaggeration to this, like it be Jamal is one of the few former BYU Cougars who is not like three years older than you think he's going to be when you talk about him. <laughs> he's only 27. And I was kind of surprised because it feels like he's been in the league forever. Like he was on the Packers for four years, been on the Lions for two years. Um, so, I mean, he's still got juice in the tank. And I think that's, it's a, it's a good time to get him because I think he and Alvin are in very similar situations. And, you know, I don't know how long either of these guys has left in terms of like, at their peak, but I think they are both still there right now. And I think they're both going to end up kind of going downhill at the same time, at the same pace, whenever that is. One thing I will say, and it, and it is to relative to Taysom as well, is if you are looking at Alvin in fantasy drafts, I mean, he might drop to like the sixth, seventh round, just because you're talking about a, a guy who could get suspended and probably will get suspended. And B, a guy who might not get five goal line carries all season. Oh, forget it, right. Because you were already getting vultured by Taysom. And now whether you want to consider Jamal Williams as more than a goal line back just in general, he's still a premier goal line back. Like you do have that and you are going to use that. So like he's going to get the carries at the one yard line, at the two yard line. Like Alvin, in terms of a running, being a running back, he's only going to be able to score from, you know, 10 yards 15 yards out and like that's just when you're talking about a fantasy running back that's not a great scenario in real life it's a fantastic pairing in real life that pairing is perfect because you don't have to hammer Alvin Kamara between the tackles and you still have someone who's elite at it and then you can use Alvin at what he does best like in a full PPR league he might have a little more value in that sense and in just the fact that the Saints will be better for it great but it is kind of funny from a fantasy perspective, man, this, this backfield is awful for Alvin. <laughs> no, and ho hopefully, you know, it's kind of that reincarnation of zoom and boom part two, if you want to say, and hopefully maybe he doesn't get the rushing touchdowns. We get him back more involved in the, re you know, the receiving game yeah. and, and starting to get, you know, scores that way because there just wasn't enough of Alvin in space. I don't think really anyone in space, last season um except for maybe Rashid Shaheed but hopefully yeah that this lets that boom and zoom roll kind of come about again and I I'm excited I think that this is going to be a good pairing just from an all-around aspect of it and yeah with Williams coming in with that kind of chip on his shoulder wanting to carry the load right away is only a huge benefit for this team yeah and, and again like from a real life perspective that's what you want is not overloading Alvin from a yeah. fantasy, fantasy perspective, with which is not a real life perspective. It's frustrating, but I don't want to overload Alvin. I want Alvin to do what he does best, and I want him to be healthy at the end of the season. And so having Jamal, and you had this with Latavius to an extent, right? Uh, it, it helps in that regard. So I, I like that pairing a lot, and uh, I'm ho hopefully you get to see it for a majority of next season question is whether you would prefer to have that suspension come early or middle of the season because you don't want to lose games early because you don't have them but you don't want to not have them later in the year when these games are massive so I think that'll be something to think about but I don't think the Saints are gonna have much say in the matter that court case is gonna start on July 31st if it ever gets there so we'll have to be watching that you might you, it's funny as you mentioned Latavius Murray and I just recently watched on NFL Network they were showing a Jimmy Garoppolo free agency showcase. And it was a Saints game 
uh, you know, Breeze and Garoppolo going back in a 48-45 game. I think it was 2019. Anyway, Latavius Murray had a hell of a game, and you, you just appreciate how hard that guy really ran for this team. Just one of those moves, even this past season, it really sucks see, uh, seeing him leave the uh, the running back rotation. That was That was a whole wild experience in itself last year. Yeah, and I think you were you've been without that for the last two seasons, and it has yeah. hurt you. Like you you haven't had that, that kind of reliable RB two, and now you do have it, and you have it with Taysom as well in the sense that he can be a changeup. So all of it's good. I think that this combination is going to be fruitful for the Saints, and I'm looking forward to watching it. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. We went a little long. Um, we're going to come back, and we're going to give you the Colin Saunders interview and the Nathan Shepard interview, which is the only non-team interview that's been done with Nathan Shepard at this point. So, so you know, it is what it is. All right, stick around and inside Black and Gold. Two for one next segment. Two for one. It's like a pay less of interviews. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. We talk about the Saints. We talk about it a lot. We yell. Not really. Kinda. Sometimes. We have a good time. Subscribe. We only yell when there's certain so-called media members that make us yell. I only yell because Nick Wright's a douche. (laughs) (laughs) I, I yell about other stuff, but he just annoys me. Anyway... What's funny is I just saw recently that the Saints are like in the top 15 now for salary cap space. And I, I figure Nick Wright's got to be losing his mind. He just like, it's like, I, I heard an interview. He did a podcast recently where he was like, they were talking about the salary cap. And he was like, oh, they can't believe they accused me of not understanding the salary cap. And the guy asked him like, well, why, why do you consider yourself to be an expert on the salary cap? And he was just like, oh, I mean, me? Oh, he didn't have a reason. He just kind of was a little like, like no that's exactly like exactly exactly yelling about it and pretending you understand what credit cards okay this is something we can get into really quick before we do those interviews i figured out why it annoys me so much and it's because he keeps going back to this analogy of of loading up money on a credit card and what bothers me is like he uses this as if it's like an incontrovertible fact of like this is the reason it's wrong but the the issue is he's fundamentally misunderstood 
credit card debt. And for a while, I was like, why is he making this argument this way? He must know that it's not intellectually fair. It's, it's a backwards argument, and he's doing it intentionally. But I've come to the realization that he's not doing it intentionally. He just doesn't understand credit card debt, which, you know, some of us don't have the luxury of that. And in doing so, he doesn't understand, like, the reason that credit cards are bad in terms of having a boatload of debt is that the amount you're paying now down the road, it's going to cost you more. And it's going to be very difficult to pay off because the high interest rate keeps compounding and going up and going up. In this case, it doesn't. It's actually the opposite, where inflation is working for you. And so if you move 10% of your salary cap into the year 2025, the salary cap will be higher then. So 10% of the salary cap now is going to be a lower number. So in doing that, you have effectively lessened the amount that you're going to pay relative to how much money is worth. So <laughs> it's more like, if you use the analogy, it's more like what most self-made, quote unquote, self-made successful people will, will tell you is they got you know just a small, small loan from their parents to get started and they never had to pay back any interest on that. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't say no to that, right? Like it, it makes sense because you can pay it back down the road at a, at a time when it is more amenable to you, right? And if you desperately want to stay with the credit card analogy, you can say, yes, it's like a credit card with a negative interest rate because by the time you have to pay it back, that amount of money will not mean as much as it does now. And if you were a human and a bank came to you and said, here is a credit card. Your interest rate is negative 0.05%. If you spend $100 today in six years, that will be re relatively worth $95 and you will have saved money on this transaction. Would, would you not use that credit card? I think I figured it out. It's because the Saints signed Saunders and he's a Chiefs fan. That's why he's so bitter. That's, that could be it. Anyway, that is my whole thing. And like, I just don't want to hear that analogy. If you can make that <laughs> argument without saying that, Great. Let's have a conversation. But just that is so annoying to me that he continues to put that out there. Anyway, that was not the goal of this segment. I might cut this out. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got to leave the rant in. Oh, God. I just it's so annoying to me. Anyway, it's 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 good because like you you've just signed two defensive tackles to reasonable contracts, not outrageous contracts. They're right. both about three years, 15 million dollars, give or take. And so one of them is Colin Saunders. And again, as we talked about with Jamal, the approach the Saints took really resonated with Colin. And he talks about that in this interview of they, the Saints came to him. The Saints reached out to his agent, said, we want him. We have an opening for him. We have a plan for him. This is what we're willing to pay. And Colin's agents went, okay, we're going to shop around. And the Saints said, cool, let us know. And guess what? They came back and said, okay, this is where we're going to be. And, and again, you're going to hear this in this interview. And I don't think this is that common in the NFL where teams approach it this way. And one of the reasons the Saints approach free agency this way is because they are so regimented with how much they're willing to pay and how they operate against the salary cap and how they restructure deals that they have to operate this way. And I still think it's the right way. Anyway, here's that interview. What kind of drew you to signing here? If I, you know, I think that's a good place to start. Like, you know, there's obviously a lot of teams out there. You 
have been on the Chiefs for four, four years, four years, more four. Yeah. So, what about New Orleans was attractive to you as you kind of went through this? The main thing was the opportunity that was presented. Uh, I knew like how they were contacting my agents. It was like, oh, this is a little different, you know. Like, and that's it was like the mutual interest. I feel like is what really, you know, there was no haggling. There was no like, oh, well, somebody else said this. It was like, no, they came on like, you know, okay, we want them here. This is what we want want to give them. And then my agent's like, oh, you know, do the whole agent thing. Let's shop around and see what we find. And they went around and then they're, the Saints came back like, all right, what you find? Like, we want them here, you know what I mean? So once they told me that, I was like, all right, well, we don't even got to shop around no more. Because that, you know, I mean, obviously you can look for a higher dollar amount. You can look for a higher contract. But that just one, you know what I mean? Like that desire that they have for me and, you know, how they got plans for me and stuff like that, man. That's just, you know. I'm a, I'm a humble guy, and um, stuff like that I take into account. You know, I, I take to heart. So, um, man, how they were contacting my agents and telling me about the future and just their plans for me and stuff like that. Yeah, it was an easy decision. I saw when the news came out, obviously, Patrick Mahomes tweets out that he's going to miss you, yeah, yeah. especially those uh, locker room basketball <laughs> games. I don't know if you've gotten, the, the obviously, the full tour yet, but I, the locker room here, you're not going to have to worry. There's definitely of uh, the, the net set up. They were actually building one during the yeah, season this, yeah. this past year. They must have knew I was coming. Uh, absolutely. So um, just how do you think it's going to be integrating into a new locker room after, you know, your first four years in Kansas City? Man, listen, that's my specialty. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I get in the locker rooms and I'll just mesh them together. Like, that's just what I do. I mean, you can ask Tyron and to know. I mean, like, that's – and Dan. I, I keep forgetting Dan. But, yeah, that's what I do. You know, I'm, I'm a naturally just goofy, you know, just kicking it, chilling. I don't know. I'm not too too serious all the time. I know when to be serious. But, like, that's my – that's I say that's my specialty because I'm a real – I'm a – I like to be friends with people. Like, I don't like the feeling of – you know, somebody not liking me or somebody like having an issue with me. Cause sure. I, that's just not, you know, why, why be that way? You know, I don't want to take years off my life being stressed about <laughs> something. So, so I just, you know, that's the type of person I am, man. I, I just like to involve everybody, man. I, I was that kid who, you know, the big football player star in high school that was friends with all the little tech guys and all, cause that's just me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I just like to unify people and um, I like to, um, like tr my main thing is treat people how you want to be treated you know and that's that's one thing that I feel like all my past teammates will tell you all my anybody you know I don't care if you're fourth string I don't care if you're first string I don't care if you're all American you know I'm going to treat you like a homie I'm going to treat you like we cool and I'm going to treat the, the guy who put the cards up like we cool and I'm going to treat the equipment so I'm going to treat you you know what I'm saying I treat everybody the same way and um, y'all going to learn that over my over my next few years uh, here is that that's the type of person I am man I, I just Spread love and receive it, man. Yeah, so anyone who's been on the Chiefs for the last four years, <laughs> I feel like it's an organization where you expect to win. You play winning football, yeah. and, and you know that in the end, your expectations are Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And I am just curious, as, as you kind of go to a new organization, what would you say are some of the facets of that? Like, what type of winning football? Like, if you had to give examples of, like, things that – you experience well, like, yeah, this is a winning organization. Yeah. What yeah. would that be? And like, what could you kind of bring to this locker room? Absolutely. Um, first of all, just consistency mm -hmm. and, and the weekly regimen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like 
one thing about Coach Reed is like he's gonna do and say the same stuff on the same on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. He's saying the same thing. And I'm not saying like the same general message. I'm saying like the same words, <laughs> the same phrase at the end of the meeting. Like, but that's a little overboard. But you know what I mean? Like consistency, one. And then just um just kind of I feel like knowing knowing your work days and knowing your workload, like cause obviously you can't just sit here and be like, we're gonna work five days out the week and mm-hmm. play Saturday, I mean Sunday and then you know be off and then no, it's not it's not like that. So you gotta really think, okay, what you know prepares us, what what does us the best? And I feel like he had a really good system as far as um getting the best out of players, like, you know, knowing um like we'll have the days where we just hone in on the scheme hone in on, you know, whatever, whoever we're playing that week, whatever their strengths is, we literally, like, plaster it on the doors and stuff like that. So, like, we know we, everywhere we walk, we see it and stuff like that. So, it's just, I feel like just having that set routine and having that, um, because he's, like, kind of superstitious about it. And that's what kind of, it, it, but that, like you asked, you know, what what um, factors contribute to it. That kind of was one of those things, like, his superstition and just, like, you know, want to have everything by the book, lay it out. And I think, um, I mean, this man wore the same shoes and, you know what I mean, a little coaching thing and all. Yeah. Same outfit every day. Every I gonna, game. I was going to ask, is that, is that like, do you have any good examples of superstition? Man, every game. He got the, he got the what they call it, Air Force Ones, okay. and he mark out the I in there, so it say AR for Andy Reid. <laughs> Y'all ain't know that. No, and, then, and then he got that, and then he got, like I said, like on the meetings, you know, like so on the Wednesday or Thursday meeting, those are like our, were our bulk days. At the end of every Wednesday, Thursday meeting, we meet as a team, and then we split up offense and defense. At the end of every meeting, he'll be like, offense stay, defense leave, and offense, if you need to pee, knock it out. That phrase was at the end of every – for four years, at the end of every Wednesday and Thursday meeting I've ever sat in. Okay. So, like, that's an example, like, he's not – or another example, like, uh, travel. We will never get anywhere before 4.30 or – or not, before 4 or after 4.30. Like, 4 before 30, we're arriving. It don't, matter. it don't matter where we're going. It don't matter who we're playing. So it could be a cross-country flight. It can be a cross-country. We're going to get there. We're going to leave 14 <laughs> hours before 4 o'clock. <laughs> like, he's just not like, that's just the type of duty is like, he wants, because he don't want no, like, variations or nothing like that. Like, you know what I mean? That's another thing I learned, like, my rookie year during the Super Bowl. Um, guys are out there, you know, the 49ers, their curfew all the way until, like, Friday was, like, one in the morning. Coach Reeves like, nah, we 11 every night just like we normally are. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just stuff like that. He just, you know, he kind of um, sticks with and I feel like that kind of contributes because it's like you, when you come into camp and you come into whatever, like, you know what's going to happen. Unless you're a rookie, you don't know. But, like, my, every year after my rookie year, I knew exactly what to expect. Right, if you're and, a rookie, you're gonna learn. Exactly, <laughs> and, and if you're a rookie, you you gonna force fed and learn. Yeah. So like, so I yeah, it was it was always um he was always locked in that way. Colin, definitely appreciate the time. Congrats on another Super Bowl. Right, and I uh, look forward to talking to you more. Absolutely. One man. more question for you. Okay. Can you still do a backflip? Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 I told him I was going to uh, hold it down until uh, until a uh, contract here. And it's looking like it's that time, huh? All right. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate it, man. No problem. Congrats on you. And there it is. Steve, what did you think of Colin? I thought he was very, very sincere. I really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that I think is going to get the fans' attention too, just because of how open, animated the guy is. Um, tr- come training camp, I'm curious to see if he's going to do any backflips for the fans. I hope not. I like 
I appreciate that he can do them. I do. But like can't afford the injury. Yeah. <laughs> David Wilson. If you remember David Wilson, who's a running back for the Giants out of Virginia Tech. His okay. touchdown celebration was a backflip. And every time he did it, I just like cringed. Cause like you see this, like you see guys get hurt during celebrations. Mason Smith for LSU last year, yeah. like he made a great play and he was just jumping around celebrating and he tore, he tore his knee up or I don't know what it was. He tore, he, he injured himself. He missed the rest of the season. Edwin Diaz, the pitcher for the Mets at the world baseball classic who just signed a massive contract. He, he messed up his knee and it's like, he might miss the whole season. And like, so you see a guy celebrating like that. It's not what you want to see. Anyway, I appreciate that he can do it. I hope that he can restrain himself from giving me a minor heart attack every time I see his head closer to the ground than his feet. Obviously, I mean, uh, uh, impressive athleticism this this massive man can, you know, has. And yeah, just another another big personality on a big dude. And I think it'll be a great uh, pairing, obviously, up front on the D-line where you you have a, a big vocal leader like a Cam Jordan up there. But, you know, with the integration now of, of another guy that's got Super Bowl rings, which everybody on this team is trying to get, it's pretty amazing just to know that kind of experience and knowledge and uh, of what he brings to this team being in Kansas City. And, and all, he know, all this guy knows is Super Bowls. That's it. Yeah, his expectations are a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it just I go to the Super Bowl. I do appreciate that in the locker room. Like I think that the Saints don't, you know, they're the Saints had that for a long time of like guys like this institutional understanding of like we're gonna win and we're gonna go to the playoffs and we're gonna be a Super Bowl contender. And you just don't have enough of them anymore. And so I don't mind the infusion of a guy like that. You know, then the the Saints now have a few of those, right? I thought one thing that Colin brought up that it was interesting and we can, we can move to the Nathan interview soon is that he talks about, you know, one of his strengths is just meshing with meshing with a locker room and being a very positive influence in a locker room. And he talked about, and we actually talked about this when we were watching his press conference, when he was at Western Illinois, the team would actually give him recruits to host because they knew that he was such a good salesman for that university. And so he would have them. And he said like, he got like all, but maybe two of them. Like he had almost a perfect record of, of winning those recruits. And, you know, I, it's not the most important thing in terms of like being a fun guy, being a guy people like, being a good influence on a locker room. But it's also not the least important thing. Like I do want to see that. It's like you look at CJ and why, why can't CJ get a big deal relative to the, um, the talent level that he clearly has? And you, you go and you look at, you know, what is how is he viewed in a locker room? And I think Colin is probably kind of the inverse of that where his locker room presence is a is a very much a net positive super likable dude that yeah just someone that you instantly feel like you've known for a while and you're buddies with already even though you just met him kind of thing uh very very comfortable easy to talk to and yeah that that's only a good thing for your locker room and I I thought that was interesting too that he mentioned that that that's one of his quote-unquote specialties is just meshing with folks yeah, and, and like he's only had one NFL locker room, so it's a pretty he's pretty confident uh, in that respect. I also thought the Andy Reid stuff was very interesting, I, and I mean, again, like you can listen to that interview, and it's very like it was he was a very easy guy to talk to. I think that came out in that interview. Like we, uh, if you just listened to it and didn't know any better, you would think that was not our first interview. But I thought he he had really interesting answers. He was a fun guy, so 
I'm looking forward to, to covering him uh, over the next three years. Yeah, fun guy hopefully equals big production, especially that, that whole run defense was a major disappointment last year needs to be shored up. Yeah, uh, it's a good point, and I looked this up. So the Saints were 24th against the run last year um, in terms of total rushing yards allowed. In the previous four years, they were never any worse than fourth. So you talk about, like, why did they need to retool that? And and Colin Saunders will be the first to tell you he's a run guy. I think we've mentioned that already. Um, that's why. And so I don't I think you're I don't think you're done adding to that position, but these two guys, and we'll get into Nathan Shepard here in a second. These two guys are an important start. Um, and you know, maybe a draft pick, maybe another veteran, maybe you bring Malcolm Roach back. Either way, uh, I think that was that was this is a very good start. And that's a good segue into Nathan Shepard, the Ajax assassin question mark. Hmm. Uh here's what we had to say when we caught up with him on Sports Talk last week. Jeff and I have the privilege of welcoming in new Saints defensive tackle, Nathan Shepard. Who that, Nathan? How's it going today? What's up, fellas? Thank you for having me. Well, welcome to New Orleans. Uh, how was the introduction to everyone in the facility and finally getting to put pen to paper today? No, it was definitely great. Um, the facility looks amazing. Definitely happy to be here. Looking, uh, just driving through, seeing the city, taking it all in. It just feels great. Yeah, I've always wondered, you know, as the big bodies in the interior come into a food city, have you considered where your first kind of big dinner is going to be at? We got a few. I got a few different spots that I'm uh, considering right now. But um, I definitely got to hit some crawfish up, and uh, I'm big on oysters. So those are definitely uh, on my hit list. That's a better answer than Derek Carr, who ended up at Chipotle and we all know that's the- unfortunately yeah, I, heard, I heard about that so i'm gonna do my best to the city to you know <laughs> pick pick a better spot than that okay good good that's what i want to hear nate so um have you gotten a chance to talk to any of the defensive coaches so far like a todd grantham and just wondering uh what they've been telling you so far about new orleans not in person still looking forward to that okay. over the phone uh, a little bit today was hectic a lot of imaging things that i have to get taken care of first so just days wrapping up now, but I'm um, definitely going to look forward to meeting everyone else in person, the OTAs and, and whatnot. You know, Nathan, I'm always curious when you're with another organization, um, what has been kind of your perception of the Saints from afar? And, you know, what what, what made you want to be here uh, in free agency? Definitely, I know the standards for their defense, just something that I can I could appreciate, something I recognize coming from New York. Definitely bringing what I what I have to this table and, you know, helping this team. And, and, you know, what is that? What would you consider to be your strength as a player? Uh, I definitely play very aggressive. That's just how I feel the game should be played, my position specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive line, that's just that's where everything starts. You know, the team goes as the defensive line goes. Can't win a game without that. Everyone needs to contribute, don't get me wrong, but defensive line with the tip of the spear and team goes as we go. Well, Nate, I know the uh, the Saints, you carry on a long tradition of senior bowl players that this team loves to bring in. I know it seems so long ago, but what do you remember, honestly, about that experience over there? I know, unfortunately, you ended up suffering a broken hand over there, but overall, did you get to talk to uh, the Saints at all that year, do you remember? Uh, there were several teams I do believe we are able to uh, talk with the Saints a little bit, but... Um, from Senior Bowl to here, wow, that was such a long time ago. <laughs> I think my favorite part about that, though, was being able to go against D1 talent. Again, being a D2 player, sometimes there's a, a little asterisk next to that. But being able to go to the Senior Bowl, pull my hat in with everyone else, and, uh, you know, just eliminate that. Yeah, obviously, you, you come from – actually, help me out. How do you pronounce the – is it Ajax? 
So Toronto, Ontario. Okay. Uh, Ajax is like a suburb of Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because, you know, David Onyemata left town, and he always had the uh, the best nickname, in my opinion, which was the Manitoba Mauler. Oh, and, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if we got to figure something out here, I'm thinking the Ajax Assassin. How does that sound to you? You know what? If it sticks, it sticks. <laughs> All right. But, you know, just kind of generally speaking, obviously you came out of D2. Is there kind of like a mantle? You know, there's all these kind of big-time program players coming out. And is there almost like a like a point of pride, a chip on your shoulder, coming from the, you know, humble beginnings? I think it was Fort Hayes, if I'm remembering that correctly, as you kind of make it work in the NFL, whereas, you know, you see these guys, oh, it's like Ohio State, Tennessee, and it's like, okay, I want to prove that, you know, it's this is what you can do from the level that I came from. I mean, for me, look, I understand everyone has their own story. I just understood this is this is my process. This is my path. Um, it made me everything I've gone through, everything I've been through has brought me to this point here. So the way I look at it, there's nothing wrong whatsoever. At the end of the day, the point of college is just to get your foot in the door. And then what you do from that is up to you. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck here. Nathan Shepard, I'll be talking to you soon. And definitely OTAs, training camp, all that will be rust around the corner. And look forward to talking to you more. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Until next time. Appreciate it. Go Saints. Who that? There it is. Steve, what were your first impressions of Mr. Shepard? Definitely not as a man as much. A man as... He's definitely not a guy that has as many words to say as our previous two interviews, but still someone obviously that sounds elated to be here. I just think it's, you know, different personalities you end up dealing with and, you know, being in the room with the other two interviews, plus just getting to talk to him on the phone. There's definitely a different atmosphere, different take on the whole interview it takes on. Yeah, I think you were gonna. You were trying to say a man of fewer words. It, yeah, it couldn't come out. I, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll it's like, it's <laughs> like I think this is where he's going. Uh, it's fine. Um, no, yeah, there is a different vibe, and I think you can tell when listening to these interviews. Like when you're sitting in a room with a dude and you kind of look him in the eye, and you're not live on the radio. Uh, I think you can get a little bit more uh, open with some of the answers, and especially a um, first time interview. It's not. We well, this guy knew us from nothing. Right. 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 And. So, so I'm not going to judge him based on that interview in terms of like his personality. He wasn't as talkative and that's fine. He had a long day, <laughs> like he was there for a long time, but you know, you asked him about the senior bowl and it, it might seem like a random question, but it's not because yeah. if you look at all six of the defensive linemen on the saints roster, all six were at the senior bowl. That's cam Jordan in 2011, Tano Passigno in 2017, Nathan Shepard in 2018, Carl Granderson in 2019, Colin Saunders in 2019, and Peyton Turner in 2021. Like, it is a showcase that the Saints use significantly to mine defensive line talent. Marcus Davenport was also a senior bowl guy. The other two that left were not. David Onyemata and Chai Tuttle were not senior bowl guys, <laughs> which surprised me. I thought David Onyemata just seems like he would have been a senior bowl guy. But yeah, so like it, it's you, you see this often is the Saints clearly leave Mobile with very high grades on certain players and then they become free agents just like Tano Passigno and the Saints make a point to bring them in. And I think that's what you have here in, in Nathan and, and Colin. Yeah, and what's really interesting it's like the just the such close proximity of where we are in louisiana to the biloxi you know that atmosphere there at the senior bowl 
And yeah, every year it just seems to be a major breeding ground. It doesn't seem to be. It is a major breeding ground of Saints future talent, whether it's, it's a great point. If it is the draft or later on in free agency, when these guys, maybe they weren't able to take do become available. You end up bringing them in. Yeah. Great, great advertisement for Jim Nagy and the guys over there. Right. And like, so Tano was a second round pick. I, the saints probably just didn't have a high, that high of a grade on him. These two guys were third round picks. Maybe the saints didn't have that high of a grade on him. And so they went elsewhere, but like you see down the road, they become free agents. And I just, it's interesting because you look at, oh, the Saints could probably serve to add a defensive tackle in the draft. And if you are not looking closely at the list of defensive tackles and defensive ends that were at the Senior Bowl this year, you're doing it wrong. Because <laughs> it's very, very clear that is a, an important part of the process in terms of just getting to know players and feeling comfortable with them. Well, unless they say, hey, we kind of had big misses with Davenport yeah. and we'll see with Turner. I'm not going to throw him under the bus quite yet. But if they go, maybe we should look for the end somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not saying it's necessarily the best choice. <laughs> like, it's pretty clear that they don't always hit on those picks. But I'm just saying, like, if you want to predict the Saints draft pick. I guess that's a good way to put it. If you are trying to accurately predict the Saints picks in your mock draft, senior bowl <laughs> that would ties be a are smart a approach. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but the funny thing is, like the the last guy, Caesar Ruiz, was another guy who wasn't at the Senior Bowl, and like you would be like, wow, he must have been there. No, wasn't. Anyway. It's it's. I mean, it's tough when you got the poster boy for him. Well, obviously Cam Jordan, and it's like you wish every one of your picks could be that dude. Yeah. Are you? Yes, you do. You wish every one of your picks is a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And and just everything, too, from being on the field to the locker room presence to interaction with the media to health. Uh, the guy, the guy, just everything. He's, he's everything. the complete package. One thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say is when you, again, when you, I mentioned this, so Colin is clearly a run guy. And I think you look at, you look at Nathan and he's kind of just, he's just like this behemoth. He's an athletic, a marvel and I think you're seeing more of a, you know, Leonard Williams type, a guy that you're going to try to split double teams and get upfield and be and be an impact in the run game and the pass game. And so I think you're kind of seeing like them try to marry those styles and have a really good array of pass rushers across the board because they are they are they do have distinct skill sets. It, it is interesting to see. Um, and so I think. This is a team that was very aware of its difficulty against the run, brought in a new defensive line coach, and they're hoping that they can kind of revamp that. And so that's all I got. I think it's a good start for sure. I think these are both really high-character guys. You talk to them, and, and even though Nathan wasn't that talkative, I did appreciate what he had to say. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of develops the rest of the offseason and OTAs. Yeah, I want to see how else this team – decides to go about filling out the roster still in free agency leading up to the drafter. I know the countdown for that's going to be pretty soon too, though. We'll be going X amount of days till the NFL draft is here. You are correct, sir. Yeah. I think the next, I think that's probably a good indicator that our next podcast will be mock draft 2.0. The post dun, dun, dun. free agency mock draft, unless crazy stuff happens, in which case it won't be. No, I, th I think like after we've pretty much gone through that big first wave of free agency, and I would say now makes a more logical time to hit a mock draft. Maybe even 
maybe even your first one right now, the ones we did before free agency hit, you can toss those totally out the window. I think it's a baseline, right? You, you kind of like, you're, you're making the determination of like, okay, General what do we think need they need now? Right. Things have changed a little bit. What do we think they need now? Like they're not as desperate for defensive tackle now as they were then. So top of the draft orders changed a little. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the way the quarterbacks come off the board has probably changed, you know, yeah. like, so yeah, it'll, it'll be a good one. So keep, keep a lock for that. That'll be on Friday, but thanks everyone for listening. I've enjoyed this episode. Thanks everyone for sticking around through my rants and as always rate subscribe, tell your friends, tell your dog to listen to inside black and gold. All pets are welcome. All pets, two cans, gerbils, that Nutria that lives out there in South. I heard he's, he's a huge listener. Yeah, I have heard. I have heard that the Nutria. What is his name? Noodles. If it's not Noodles, it should be. Uh, I have heard he is a big listener. He 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 has because the Nutria they have like real hands. You know they have the the kind of rodent fingers. So he actually can use an iPhone. I don't know if most people know that. And yeah, he's when I talked about that review earlier, that was actually him. He he typed that out. Noodles the Nutria. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Mr. Nutria, uh, who is, gets to stay with his family. Happy ending for, for everyone. Oh, good. He doesn't get taken away and killed. Our most dedicated listener. <laughs> he doesn't have to listen from Nutria Jail. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. Later. Peace.